Welcome to Travel Tips Tuesday with John Rogers. On today's show, you'll learn up-to-date, creative, and personal tips that will help you make your travel dreams a reality. Enjoy today's episode. Here's John. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another really fun episode of Travel Tips Tuesday. This episode, I think it's going to be super informative and practical, especially if you are traveling to Walt Disney World as a large family or even with small children. We're going to get into what it's like to lug a stroller around, what it's like for a mom with four small kids to be at Walt Disney World. We're going to talk about transportation, our hotel experience, shopping, dining, and a lot of in-between things as well. Share a bit of Disney news and a little bit about this thing that I'm calling 40 by 40. What is that? Well, you'll have to stay tuned here in just a little bit, and I'll tell you more. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode, and I hope you have a magical week. Let's get into it, shall we? Tonight, this is Travel Tips Tuesday, and it is January the 26th, 2021. And tonight's topic is changes in the Walt Disney World parks and how they affect the guest experience. Again, changes in the Walt Disney World parks and how they affect the guest experience. And our question of the day is cavalcades or parades, which one and why? You know, we all have our beloved parades that we love, some that haven't been around in quite some time. Um, so, you know, there are other ones that, uh, you know, we haven't, that, that we wish probably would go away and stay away. <laughs> but these cavalcades, man, they are everywhere. Um, they're in the form of flotillas, say at Animal Kingdom, uh, and we'll see cavalcades at most other parks with different characters and things running around. Um, such a cool thing. Uh, our family really enjoyed them. Uh, there was one particular day I was telling somebody earlier where uh, they just kind of like kept rolling. One would go by, you, but you know, the music would die back down. Then you wait a few minutes, all of a sudden the music's back up, and then here come some more characters. So, you know, kind of pro tip that's if you're at the parks, especially if you're going for the first time in a while, uh, or maybe just your first time at all, and you're walking around the parks, and all of a sudden you hear music start to pick up uh, wherever you are. That's a sign to stop and look because there's a cavalcade about to come by uh, your area. So, again, they're unpredictable. They're not scheduled, uh, but they are a lot of fun. And, you know, we had this one really cool instance that I'll tell you about from our last trip where we were in Epcot. Um, and I think we had just picked up, we were outside the Germany Pavilion and we were kind of snacking or finishing up snacking on some popcorn. And we heard the music pick up. And sure, you know, sure enough, we see the, the, the vehicle come around the corner with Mickey and Minnie on it and, and Goofy and Pluto were kind of following behind. And, you know, so we get all the kids up there, we're watching it. And unbeknownst to us, there's a Disney PhotoPass photographer that was following the cavalcade. We happened to be in the right spot at the right time. And, you know, our kids were, like, pointing at the characters and, like, making faces and stuff. And that PhotoPass photographer was running all around our whole family, like, snapping shots of our kids' reactions and kind of us looking at the characters and kind of capturing that one little moment. So, for me, like... We absolutely love that. Like, I'm getting chills just thinking about that. Like, we were in the right place at the right moment. You know, for us, yes, we play, We paid for Memory Maker out of pocket. You know, that's not th something I get for free as a travel agent, just like you. If you're traveling to Disney, that's something that I have to pay for. Um, so Because I'm not currently an annual pass holder, though that is something I would love to change when they really come back out. So, anyway, moving onward. We got some amazing pictures to kind of capture that moment. Um, it was such a really cool experience uh, when we saw that particular cavalcade. Uh, saw some great flotillas with some of the characters dressed up uh, in some of their safari costumes over at Animal Kingdom. It was just a great experience. So, big fan of cavalcades myself. 
I would love to hear what you think about them and would love to hear what your experience is. So again, our topic tonight, changes in the Walt Disney World parks and how they affect the guest experience. We'll get into that here in just a minute. Uh, talked about, we'll talk about uh, the new contest, kind of our new incentive right now, and that is this. I'm calling it 40 by 40, and some friends kind of kind of helped me uh, come up with that name, but 40 by 40. I'm going to be putting some um, promotional graphics and stuff out there pretty soon, and if you're on my email list, you'll see that uh, come through as well with some additional details. But the short suite of it is this. It is my goal to book 40 more trips before I turn 40. And I turn 40 in May. So before um, before May 22nd, that is when I turn 40, um, on May 22nd, is my goal to book 40 trips between basically January 1. So if you've already booked a trip with me this month, uh, you will qualify. You're automatically entered to that. You don't have to do anything. Um, I've got a spreadsheet where I'm tracking everything and kind of keeping up with everybody. So my goal is to book uh, 40 trips by May 22nd. If we can do that, I'm going to do a drawing for a $100 gift card, either towards your trip or $100 resort credit or whatever it is, whatever you want to use it for, $100, you know, I don't know, gas card, Chick-fil-A card, Starbucks, whatever. You know, you just tell me and, and we'll make it happen. Um, and that's just kind of my thank you to everybody for supporting me in this. So 40 by 40, it's coming soon. Get ready for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll be talking about some of the trips that people have booked and, you know, what people are going to be up to where people are traveling um, and may or may even interview some people along the way and I'm looking forward to that so it's gonna be a blast all right so that's 40 by 40 Disney news so a lot has happened since last week and some of this happened prior to last week but we didn't quite get to it last time uh, the first thing is this a celebration of the festival of the Lion King so the festival of Lion King is one of the most beloved uh, live entertainment options for uh, attractions at the Walt Disney World Resort. It's right over there in Animal Kingdom at the edge of the Africa Pavilion or Africa can land on your way towards sort of what's the back entrance to uh, Pandora, the world of Avatar. Uh, it's not too far from the Club 33 location over there. Anyway, uh, beautiful theater, theater, amazing, amazing production. There's so much that goes into that. Uh, a lot of live actors, puppetry and, and different things. Um, so Highly recommend that show. Now, it is called, the, the new form of it is called a celebration of the Festival of the Lion King. So, it is not going to be a carbon copy of what you're used to if you're a big fan of the Festival of the Lion King. Just be aware of that. Just being real with you. Is it going to be a bad show? Is it worth missing? No. It's Disney. It's going to be good. It's going to be a very good show. Um, the show is being changed. The choreography is going to be a little bit different, more socially distant, you know, things like that. Uh, probably limited seating capacity. And if you go by uh, the Festival of the Lion King kind of attraction theater area, uh, they've already got the lines kind of marking out in the queue uh, for people to go through. So they're ready. They've been getting the actors ready, the production uh, crew ready and, and all that. So excited to see that come back. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, when it does. More Disney news. And this is kind of Disney, but not necessarily Disney specific, but it definitely affects uh, Disney parks. That is the Southern California State Home Order has been lifted as of yesterday. Um, and what this means for now is that hotels for, can reopen for tourism. So previously, hotels have only been open, um, you know, if there's a specific reason that you're coming to town, I think for business and otherwise. So hotel capacity, many, many hotels have closed, a lot of uh, smaller Kind of hotel chains that you know not the big ones have, have uh, some have closed down other industries uh, around that have closed down some have gone out of business uh, it's been pretty heartbreaking to see 
But uh, hotels can reopen, of course, at a limited capacity, along with restaurants, malls, and other uh, what California deems as non-essential businesses. So, you know, feel free to Google what that means because that's kind of a relative statement depending on who you ask, I suppose, uh, what non-essential means. Um, the hedges are down at Remy's Ratatouille attraction at the France Pavilion in Epcot. So you can actually walk back there now. Uh, when I was there, the hedges were, were still out. They'd actually just been rolled out. The walls have been put down and the hedges were rolled out. They have these, you know, if you're not familiar with them, these giant movable hedges that are in these sort of box cart things. They look beautiful. Like they look like they, they should just be there. They're planted, you know, right there. But no, you can actually move them. And Disney will use those as natural barriers as, you know, as they're cleaning up the pixie dust, as they're, you know, polishing off attractions, as they're refurbishing attractions, uh, to kind of, you know, let people know that, yes, there's something coming on, but you can't come back there quite yet. So the hedges are down. They've been moved. Um, there are bathrooms back in that area. Um, and the kind of the whole area is open up to the queue for uh, the new uh, Remy's Ratatouille um, attraction that is back there. Um, but the attraction itself is not quite open yet. But there's a lot of kind of chit-chatter out there in the Disneyverse that it hopefully will be open soon. Tickets to Disney's water park, Blizzard Beach, are now available for purchase with a reopening date set of March the 7th. So if you're a big fan of Blizzard Beach, which I love Blizzard Beach, I love Typhoon Lagoon, they're great water parks. I'm a big fan. Some of you hate this attraction, hate this water slide, but I'm a big fan of Summit Plummet. Like my stomach just kind of like, you know, just drops, it <laughs> just kind of drops a little bit. I do get scared when I get to the top of that slide and I look down and I see all the little ants crawling around down below, all the people. And then, you know, you shoot down that thing at 60 miles an hour. It's such a fun water slide. I'm excited to see Blizzard Beach opening for the season. Um, you know, they've, of course, been refurbishing and working some attractions. We're going to be putting some, you know, lifeguards and others back to work in that park. And that's good, too, uh, as well. So if you're coming to Disney for spring break or, or the summer, uh, be aware of that. Uh, it's an exciting time. Blizzard Beach is a great park. Think about that Park Hopper Plus option. Uh, there's also a water park and sports uh, option, ticket option as well uh, if you're not an annual pass holder. So a few different ways to visit the park. Uh, if you have questions about that, just let me know. I can kind of talk you through those uh, those options for you. The Jungle Cruise, so our beloved Jungle Cruise, home to the backside of water, is up for a bit of refurbishment. So Disney uh, has hinted that there will be some new elements uh, that will be added to the attraction as well. So they're not bulldozing the thing and creating something brand new and stamp stamping Jungle Cruise on it. It will still have its beloved, dry, punny sense of humor that I love. I'm such a massive fan of puns. Uh, I've been trying to leave them out of Travel Tips Tuesday as much as possible to kind of spare you all. But um, per the Jungle Cruise and from Mr. Kevin Lively, who is a D Disney Imagineer and also a former Jungle Cruise skipper, I have something I'd like to read you. You can also find this along with a few other official statements over the Disney Parks blog, which is the official uh, Walt Disney Parks blog that's out there. Here we go. As part of this story update, we'll get to follow a skipper and his passengers as their journey goes awry. That's right. For the first time ever, the skipper role will not only be that of a live, experienced, and witty guide, but also represented by a show figure within the attraction itself. In fact, the expedition will be up a tree. Literally. After their sunken boat splits apart and chimps board the wreckage with monkey business ensuing, but that's not even half of the whole story. Yeah, there it is. Punt. Here we come. Fans of the Jungle Cruise attraction may recall some boats that used to make their way around the river, but 
have not been seen for quite a while. Specifically, the Mekong Maiden and the Quango Kate. Ever wonder what happened to them? Well, you might go ape when you find out ultimately the jungle gets the last laugh. So in true Disney fashion, um, they are giving some updates to that attraction. It's a, it's a fun attraction. It's, uh, it's sentimental for a lot of folks. And, you know, it's kind of one of the originals to the park. So uh, looking forward to see what happens there. Of course, the Jungle Cruise movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, will be coming out hopefully soon. It's been done, right? You know, because of the craziness going on in the world, things have kind of been put off a little bit for that release date. It was supposed to have been already by, been out by now. Uh, but looking forward to seeing that come out. And, you know, my guess, my assumption, just like happened with uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean, is you'll see some influence there from the film to the attraction. So that's almost a given. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that happen. So that's our Disney news for tonight. I want to get into kind of our topic, which as a reminder is changes in the Walt Disney World parks and how they affect the guest experience. So I'm going to kind of split these things off into dining, transportation, hotel experience, and shopping. Um, we're going to kind of, I'm going to kind of give you some of my uh, thoughts based on my recent experience. If you have some recent experience as well, feel free to chime in and, uh, and let me know what that is. We'd love to hear from you. There are a lot of awesome dining locations that are open right now that are delicious. Uh, many dining lo locations have modified their menus slightly. One of the other things that you will see is they don't have paper menus on the tables anymore. There's a QR code that you scan with your phone uh, that you know, pulls up a mobile menu. You, you can request a paper menu, but know this, if you do request a paper menu, uh, those are one-time use. So you know they have some printed out in the back, you know, back of the house somewhere, uh, and they'll bring that out to you, and they are you know, disposed of when you leave. So those, those paper menus that are available upon request only uh, will be recycled. So just be aware of that. So, again, uh, some dining locations, many of them have been uh, reopened. Of course, Chef Mickey's uh, was reopened a little while ago, uh, but uh, character dining wasn't brought back until this past December. Uh, we had a great uh, character dining experience at Toppling Nose Terrace at the top of Disney's Riviera Resort uh, for breakfast. Uh, that is a breakfast-only character dining experience, but it was a blast. We had a lot of fun uh, going there and seeing the characters and enjoying a great meal and uh, I highly recommend that for families uh, or even for couples or really just anybody that's there that wants some good food, a good view, and uh, to see some Disney characters come in and hanging out for a little bit. Some other things kind of about food around property. And again, this conversation may seem a little bit disjointed. I apologize, but uh, there's so much to cover and you know I could easily spend whole episodes on each one of these things. Uh, but the Festival of the Arts at Epcot, which is going on right now, uh, the Taste of Food and Wine Festival that ended um, back in November, and also the uh, Taste of the International Festival of the Holidays, uh, which went through the holiday season. Um, had, you know, they all feature these these food booths, including the uh, some of the other festivals that will kind of come along, right? The the Flower and Garden Festival and others. They have these food booths that are temporarily. I you know I used air quotes for those of you that are, are watching or listening on in podcast land but they're you know they're temporarily there right so you'll see some that kind of change names a little bit sometimes they'll disappear sometimes they won't but they're you know semi-permanent uh food booths that are out there in front of you know all the different uh kind of world showcase pavilions as well as scattered kind of a little bit in future world and as well as kind of in between uh, the walkway around world showcase so there's a lot of them out there have little kind of food bites that are you know relatively priced you know some of them are great deals some of them are just kind of a little bit of food depending on what it is uh, but you can easily fill up on those uh, it's a great great way to kind of get some good grub on the go 
and, and there's some things that, you know, those food booths specifically, I bring that up because they haven't really been affected as much as, you know, some of the traditional quick service and table service restaurants have. Now, some of the table service restaurants haven't even reopened. They're operating at limited capacity. The quick service dining areas are operating at limited capacity. The food booths, however, they don't really have, you know, have to deal with capacity because, well, they're outside and people can, as long as they're stationary, uh, that's kind of the role they can eat, you know, where ever they want for the most part. So be it on top of a trash can, which kind of used to be sort of the thing to do, the coveted area to, to have a meal, because usually, or in the past, there have only been like a select amount of these kind of bar height tables that you would find. Now, in my experience, there's a lot more tables out there that are spaced out. You'll see the little green dots on the ground. They're spaced out for people to enjoy their food and beverages because they want people kind of congregating in a specific place, but socially distanced and safe apart. So for me, that's one of the things that I've observed that's been a positive change is there's more, there are more tables out there. You don't have to hunt for you know, a place to sit and you don't have to hunt for, you know, a, say a table or a trash can or whatever it is to put your food on. So I kind of see that as a plus uh, in, in a few different ways. Some people may disagree with me. If you do, that's okay. Let me know. Um, and would, would love to hear from you about that. So table service restaurants, again, have moved to a, uh, a QR code based menu, but they've also moved to a primarily, primarily, um, mobile check-in so you have your reservation set up in the my disney experience app and you know they're there you go in and you kind of select that you're here and there's a process that you go through if there are any allergies if there are any specific notes that you kind of make for each guest that's a part of your party as you're checking in you confirm the amount of guests if you need high chairs if you have kids or you know booster seats you know that kind of thing so you can do a lot of that in the app it was super seamless so we had two major check-in experiences, one at Le Cellier at the Canada, Canada Pavilion, and then also at uh, Disney's Riviera Resort at Topolino's Terrace. So again, super smooth processes, uh, loved it. And, and one of the questions that I've heard, and I actually saw this happen, uh, for guests that do not have a smartphone or say your phone dies or your mobile device dies and you can't, the battery dies, you can't you know, get in there to, to check in. Yes, there are cast members that are still there at the hostess stand that are willing to greet you, check you in to make sure you're good to go. We actually had a reservation at 50s Primetime Diner that we had to cancel. So we chose to cancel that and do some quick service dining instead. So we did that, you know, I couldn't, I wanted to make sure that uh, we would not get dinged with the cancellation fees and found out that as long as, that day was especially busy. It's very difficult to find a reservation at 50s Primetime Diner. So they probably filled our spot virtually immediately. Some of these places have waiting lists. So I was told at 50s Primetime Diner when we went that as long as you find a cast member and you tell them specifically that you will not, that you're not gonna be there, um, that they will not ding you with a cancellation fee. Now, if you don't show up, now if you don't show up, you don't call, you don't show up, you don't go to the hostess stand and you do have a standing reservation, yes, you will get dinged with a cancellation fee. Or in some cases, if they're, they are meals that are prepaid, because there are a select few of those restaurants on Disney property where you do have to prepay for the entire meal when you book your reservation. Uh, you may get dinged for that entire meal. So, you know, no call, no shows, or a no-go. So, anyway, there's your cheesy rhyme for the day. Uh, if you do have a reservation and you're not going to be able to make it, make sure you at least call in. If you can at all possible, um, go to the hostess stand itself if you're in that particular park. So, table service restaurants, our experiences, uh, again, at La Cellier and at Topolino's Terrace were great. Uh, we had amazing service. The food was excellent. It was fresh. It was good. It was delicious. I had the New York strip steak um, and the amazing cheddar soup. 
at La Cellier, it was you know delicious again. The pretzel bread, all of it good. Uh, kids, I think I had mac and cheese. My wife had a uh, impossible kind of wonton dish uh, with a lot of fresh vegetables in it, and it was it was pretty good too. So uh, again, great experience there. Great experience at uh, at at. Uh, Topolino's Terrace as well. Quick service dining lo locations, the vast majority of them, especially the ones that are in the Disney parks, have moved to almost a strictly mobile ordering uh, mobile ordering platform. Snack carts also have the ability to accept touchless forms of payment like magic bands and then certain you know debit and credit cards that have that sort of touchless uh, payment uh, in it. So you know there's a lot of uh, you know options at quick service locations and you know, the system was kind of buggy at first. Ours was seamless. We had no issues. I mean, absolutely no issues with mobile ordering at Walt Disney World at all. And I mean that 100%. The, the dishes were described, you know, in detail. It was, it was easy. You had your payment information already lo loaded in your Disney account. That's one thing that you have to do in order to use the mobile ordering. You've got to have a valid debit or credit card loaded in there to do that. So, uh, again, super, super easy. You go in there, order your food, and then it tells you kind of roughly you have a, you know, I don't know, 45 minute, 30, 45 minute return window when you say, okay, I'm here. You hit the button that you're there and you start preparing your food. And then you get a notification that, oh, your food's ready. You may enter the restaurant. So one of the things that they're doing, just like table service restaurants are limiting the capacity of, of your by reservation. So you can't just, you know, walk in there, right? Uh, quick service restaurants are doing the same thing. Many of them, in fact, most of them have an interior dining space. In order to get into that interior dining space, you have to have food that has not only been, already been purchased, but that has been prepared. You have to show the cast members as you're walking into that area, things like a purple screen, has a little like logo kind of up top and whatever, and it has your order number on it and your information saying you know, your food is ready, go to you know line number three or nine or whatever it is. You go to that space and you show them your order number, they bring your food to the window, and then you go find your spot and go sit down. So again, super easy, super seamless process. Didn't really have any issues with that. The only caveat to this, and this is something that, um, you know, I, I think could be improved upon. And this is again, families, traveling with large families, um, or tra especially traveling with, with children, small families, you know, folks that have strollers and whatnot. So our family, you know, I was there with my wife and four children, eight, six, four, and two-year-old. We had a double stroller that the four and two-year-old spent a lot of time in. The other kids kind of rotated in there a little bit. Uh, but anyway, there was some time when I was not there because I was part of our company retreat. And there's a particular restaurant, I won't say where because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, that we that we went that they went to on one day that I ended up joining them at for lunch, where the uh, attendants told them that they could not bring the stroller in because it was too busy inside, that there was not enough space. They went in there, it was at the height of the lunch hour, so okay, high of lunch hour, I get it, makes sense, fine. We're flexible, we'll do our thing. Get all the kids out, get all the stuff out, which, you know, mom with the four kids by herself in Disney, she's a superhero. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, kind of going in there, and you know, she'd already ordered the food. That's one thing you can do with mobile ordering. You can order the food basically from, you know, anywhere on property, and you don't get charged until you hit that I'm here button, when they start preparing your food. So, you know, just, be aware of that. You can say you're walking from Cross World Showcase, but you want to go eat somewhere else. You can go ahead and pull your food up. You know, so all you have to do is hit that button. You're not sitting there in front of the restaurant messing around with it. So there's a lot of flexibility. You know, the, the mobile ordering app is super practical. So anyway, back to this restaurant experience. Uh, my wife gets there, orders the food, and then gets told she can't bring the stroller in. Okay, comes inside. There's like 
there's a lot of dining, a lot of dining space inside. And there's maybe two families inside that are, that are eating. So, I mean, there's a lot of space and there's plenty of space because of, you know, everything's socially distant. You can very easily move any stroller, any stroller, umbrella stroller up to the double bob stroller that we have through the area. And that was kind of frustrating because it is difficult to, you know, again, have kids when you're there, especially young kids that are in the stroller, and then have to be able to, you know, go get your food and bring it back. She thankfully had a very kind Disney cast member have mercy on her and helped her get their food and drinks over to the table. So that's just one thing that kind of, you know, rubbed us a little bit the long way, the wrong way. But again, had an overall great experience. I think something like that may have happened one other time. Uh, but again, overall great experience. I would definitely go back and, you know, the food was good. So to that particular area. So again, snack carts um, are, are pretty much everywhere. Popcorn, uh, spring rolls. The spring roll cart Magic Kingdom was not open when we were there, or at least when we were saw it. But again, from the ordering to picking up our food to getting seated and even the cleaning up process was all super smooth and super easy. So let's get on to attractions. There are a lot of amazing attractions to choose from at the parks, as we all know. We already talked about Festival of the Lion King and some of the changes there. But of course, social distancing in the lines and those social distancing in the lines, you know, especially if you go to an attraction like Seven Dwarves Mine Train, where there's, you know, always like at least a 60 minute wait, if not more, 60, 70, 80, 90 minutes. It's not uncommon to see that. But that line, you know, wraps around goes through the normal queue and then wraps around the front of the attraction, kind of kind of around the bend, you know, along the along the fence. So it, it could seem like unbearing. You walk up, I'm not standing in that, but if you stand still for five seconds, you'll notice that, that line is is moving like every couple of seconds. So they're constantly loading and unloading people. They're constantly letting people through. Because remember, fast passes are not really being used. They're not used right now. They do have a, um, and there's a, there's a name that the cast member used for it, but basically an alternate, uh, access line or something of the sort. I can't remember the technical name for it now that the cast member used when I was there. It wasn't something I'd heard before. But basically, if you if you have to use rider swap, so for young children that are either not high enough to ride or kids that don't want to ride because they're scared or whatever the reason is, or if you have a disability access pass, you go to a cast member that has an iPad, they scan your magic band for the people that are going to be waiting, and then you know the person waiting to, to board the ride, the people that are going to be waiting in line, go get in line. And then, you know, when they get out, you go back up to this cast member where the fast pass line is, they scan your magic band, they see, okay, they did the rider switch thing or whatever the case is, and they let you on. And, you know, you go about the attraction. We did rider swap a lot when we were there. It saved us a lot of time and it, and it wasn't bad. You know, we did it on most of the attractions, you know, that we had to do that on several of the roller coasters many of the other attractions like Smuggler's Run. So Rider Swap is pretty much almost every attraction that's out there. You just have to ask a cast member, they will tell you where to go. Normally it's right by the entrance, but in some cases, uh, Slinky Dog Dash is one of them that I can think of off the top of my head. The cast member was actually about, I don't know, because of the way it is, you kind of go into this sort of funnel that leads you up to the, the main entrance as you're walking through Toy Story Land at Disney's Hollywood Studios. So. They actually go to the cast member who's standing underneath an umbrella, probably, I don't know, 20 or 25 feet away from the front entrance to kind of keep people from congregating and, you know, their social distancing markers and whatnot to kind of keep people lined up. Same thing at, uh, you know, say Fly of Passage over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Same sort of situation. So the cast members, um, you know, they have lines stepped up, you know, set out where people can line up to, you know, get set up for the disability access service or 
the uh, rider swap, whatever, whichever the case is. So again, if you have questions about either one of those things, we'd love to talk to you about it. Disney is super accommodating and they wanna make sure that people have uh, as much of a magical time as possible. So again, a lot of amazing attractions, and you know we we actually found that uh, wait times a lot of times were inflated by sometimes as much as sixty percent, and I'm not kidding. So this was, you know, I would say at least half the time uh, wait times were inflated, and again, it, at some points wait times were inflated as much as sixty percent. So, you know, wait time might say forty five minutes, but we were only standing in line for fifteen minutes. Sometimes, you know, that may have been due to the fact that Disney every couple of hours or so will do more of a detailed cleaning on kind of the attraction system, wiping down kind of the fences, the rails, the, the attraction vehicles, you know, be it a, a, a trackless vehicle that you're riding in or a roller coaster or what have you. Because, you know, they're trying to do things safe. There are hand sanitizer stations everywhere, by the way, so you'll see those. So the hand sanitizer station kind of issue is a little bit uh hand sanitizer situation is a little bit different at Universal and next week I may do a show on my time my day at Universal so look forward to that so again lots of different uh, ways that they're doing um, keeping socially distant and safe and various attractions the interactive cues that are out there so for example uh, the Winnie the Pooh ride Seven Dwarfs Mine Train uh, even Aliens Whirling Saucers over at Disney's Hollywood Studios uh, all of those interactive elements have either been switched off completely uh, or they're and or you know there are signs up the saying you know do not touch not in service at this time you know whichever the case is so be aware of that uh, there are some changes to that uh, there's still the disney parks play uh, app that you can use to, to interact with some elements in the queue and there are other things that you can still do with that so you know if you're if you like those features there's sort of a virtual option that's still there available for you transportation at disney so the buses are sectioned off into numbered sections and unless you are the only person on the bus happened to be one time on this trip the bus driver will tell you where to sit so you kind of get assigned seating as as you board something new uh, with the buses for us is that the bus drivers most of the time told me to actually enter into the back of the bus and that's because when i was with my family the majority of the time we have the double stroller with us uh which is a big stroller so fit in a little bit easier and you know we're, we're not kind of all up on people try to move that thing through a crowded bus um this hasn't you know always been the case so I think it's, you know, I honestly think it's probably more of a recent kind of SOP for, uh, for bus kind of loading and unloading. The monorails have also been sectioned off in a similar way to the buses. Again, this is a kind of a temporary thing. Honestly, they're um, kind of vinyl plastic barriers, kind of hard, almost like that uh, Formica surface that you see on countertops, but it's a solid color that are cut and shaped, so it kind of looks nice, but they're, but they're held up with heavy-duty zip ties, which I find kind of funny, <laughs> but, you know, it works. Uh, boats are also sectioned off in a little bit different way. Um, they have these giant stickers, and you'll see these in some of the benches and surfaces around uh, property where it says, you know, this, this seating not available to kind of keep people socially distant and safe. Uh, the Skylander gondolas um, that runs to a couple of the parks as well as some of the resorts, um, they are also limited to people of the same party. So theoretically, if you were there by yourself, you could have your own gondola, which happened to me a couple of times. Uh, and that was kind of fun, but you know, it's, and it's just my opinion again, but I feel like the unloading and, and loading of Disney transportation in general, regardless of which form you take, has become a little bit more systematized uh, and, uh, and almost, uh, I don't know, I kind of like it better in a way. It's not as stressful. So like when you're getting on the bus at the end of the day, you're not cramming on the bus like a bunch of sardines in a can, right? Some people have their strollers, you got, you know, smelly kids and 
sweaty this person and that person people are just tired and angry and you know somebody gonna stand up to let the kind old lady to have a seat or you know whatever the case case is you know there, there's not really any uh stress it was very stress-free yeah you may have to wait a little bit uh more than normal but not much more the buses seemed to be running very regularly and it was rare that uh, we were in a bus that uh, had full capacity meaning there were still people that were waiting there you know as as you were pulling away and leaving so it's super easy experience again we did go on a little bit less busy time of the year in early january so you know there are going to be some exceptions so just to kind of disclaimer this has been our uh, our experience in early january where you know wait times for the most part and most attractions were not that bad our hotel experience so again we stayed at disney's beach club villas which is um, the DVC side of Disney's Beach Club uh, Resort. Uh, it's a wonderful resort and just love the location of it. You can walk to Epcot from the resort. Uh, you can hop on the Skyliner and be over in Hollywood Studios in just minutes. You can actually walk to Disney's Hollywood Studios if you wanted to. It's right across the water, right next to Disney's Yacht Club, right across the water uh, from Disney's Boardwalk Inn and just a short walk away from, Disney's, from the Swan and Dolphin Resort, which is actually... Uh, owned and run by Marriott, but it is on Disney property. So if you love Marriott hotels, that may be an option for you. Um, but I still think there's nothing like staying at a Disney resort. So there's just something super special about it. So it's Dis Disney's Beach Club Villas. Again, this is our experience. We ordered breakfast most of the time. We actually did order groceries via Instacart to be delivered to the hotel. That was the first time for us. Super easy process. Met the delivery person there. Everything was right. You know, they didn't have to do any substitutions. And we even had some fresh produce. It was good, looked fine, wasn't bruised, didn't look funny. Uh, so again, great experience, first experience for us and uh, loved it, would definitely do that again. There are some other, uh, other grocery delivery services out there like Garden Grocer, but they did not have any uh, the spots that were available for the time thing that we needed, so we did not use them. We used Instacart and it was good. So we ordered breakfast again a lot of time from the Beach Club kind of marketplace area, sort of their quick service location. Again, through the mobile app, super easy process. We even ordered dinner there, I think at least one, uh, if not two nights. Uh, masks were not required. So they are required pretty much everywhere. If you're outside walking around, if you're inside, the, the two places that they're not required are in your hotel room, or suite as the case may be, or if you're inside the pool area. So for us, for us, that was Stormalong Bay, which there are two entrances to get into it. One from the beach club side that was kind of along the main sidewalk and one from the yacht club side that was kind of right in front of where Beaches and Cream are located. So if you were inside the pool area, you could take your mask off. But if you left that gated reason for any reason, you had to make your, put your mask back on, except if you were going down the giant, amazing uh, water, pirate ship water slide. So if you're going up the water slide, you're fine. But if you weren't, if you're leaving to kind of go back to your room or go across the sidewalk to the sand or whatever it was, you had to put your facial covering uh, back on for that. Uh, we felt super safe while they were there. Again, they had fresh towels out there for everybody with a place to kind of put those up. You're in charge of kind of taking those back to the towel return area yourself. And when you got up from your lounge chairs that were out there, you were told uh, to fold your lounge chair back forward so they could see who had just gotten up. If they were forward, that means the pool attendants slash lifeguards, whoever happened to be out there helping out at the time, would come by and clean those and sanitize those for every guest. So again, super safe. They're trying to do things well and help get, keep guests, cast members, and others comfortable that were there so they could have a great time and make some great memories and not have to worry about uh, things. So 
a great experience. Their pool is amazing. That's one of the reasons why we wanted to stay there at Disney's Beach Club Villas. So Disney's Beach Club, the, the regular kind of side of the resort was not open yet, which made for low crowds while we were there. So that was kind of fun, right? So we didn't go in. There wasn't a lot of noise in the resort at night. Uh, it was pretty quiet and we had a good time. And, you know, people complied with the with the mask order. And honestly, like through the rest of the week, I didn't really even notice it that much. So that's one of the benefits of going in the cooler months you don't really notice that that much. And, you know, I have a, I have some history of some lung things that I've dealt with without going into detail. And, uh, and, and I was fine while I was there. You know, I didn't, I didn't have any, have any issues with that. And we had a great time. In fact, when I got home and the next day when I went out to go, go somewhere, I kind of felt weird. I was standing outside without a mask on. I was getting in my car, driving away without a mask on. I was like, wow, this is strange. <laughs> Cause I've been, I've been kind of in the Disney bubble for so long. Um, but again, Great experience at, at the hotel. We were never chastised by anybody. Uh, you know, there are a couple of times when our um, our, our, our four-year-old, their mask would kind of slip below his nose, and then he kind of got used to pulling it back up when that would happen. And the Disney masks that were there actually fit better than some of the disposable masks that we had. So, uh, you know, that's a plus. They have them available in different sizes. They're, you know, in plastic, so they're kind of safe, you know. Uh, they're not being touched by human hands. They do have some that are out, so you can kind of see and judge the size as well. They also have these tags that are inside, and I didn't know this until like, I don't know, halfway through our trip, that you can actually rip off those tags that are perforated so they're not like itching you in the face the whole time. So uh, that was fun. All right, so great time at the hotel. Uh, loved it. Uh, the theming is amazing. The rooms were excellent. We were in a deluxe studio uh, with us, so that was a great, uh, great hotel room. Uh, even for you know, family with some younger kids, family with older kids, you probably want to think about a one or two bedroom villa at that particular hotel, or split up between a couple of the smaller rooms. Shopping uh, capacities in many of the stores were limited, and there were socially distant markers, kind of spacing people out in the checkout lines, as well as getting into some of the stores when lines got long, or, or the stores were reaching capacities. At every uh, at every store, there was somebody at an entrance. There was one entrance. There were multiple exits, but it, there were people kind of keeping count of who is entering and who is leaving, who is entering and who is leaving. So that's how they managed that. So they actually had a, like either like an iPhone or iPad app. You know, they, somebody would hit a plus sign when somebody would enter and a minus sign when somebody would leave. And you would, I, I kind of eavesdropped a little bit and you could see those counts change real time. That was kind of cool how they did that. So again, great experience. One of the other things I noticed is that all of the checkout stations were open. Everyone had a cashier at it. So, and again, this was not a busy time. But they were doing that to kind of keep people moving through the store so people were, were moving out and they could pull people in. At the end of the day, you know, one of the things that people love to do, especially at nighttime when the parks were closing, that's one of the last things people do. They go through the shops, the big kind of feature stores like the Emporium the Magic Kingdom. And there were a couple of times when I saw the line go all the way down kind of towards the front of Main Street USA by the train station where the, where the entrance to the store was, uh, almost all the way down. And kind of back around to Casey's Corner, if you know where that is, and, can, and then kind of loop around almost to eventually in a couple of times. But it did not last for long for that. There was even a cast member out there with a sign that said, you know, line is only a three-minute wait from here. And again, these lines, as you see them, were moving. So if you've seen any pictures out there uh, of, uh, of, of long lines at Disney parks over the past few months, yes, they may have been long, but they're moving, right? It's kind of like a moving walkway of sorts in a way. So they're getting people in, they're getting people out. So folks are not standing in one particular spot or up, all up on each other for very long. 
Uh, again, socially distant markers everywhere, lots of hand sanitizer, lots of cast members making sure that folks had their face coverings on as well. Was there magic there? That's a question I got. What was the magic like at Disney? Is it present? Is it real? You know, I mentioned that story earlier about the photographer that, that, that captured our family and kind of spur the moment um, while we were watching one of the cavalcades at Epcot. That was an incredible moment. There were some other magical moments that happened as well, but yes. Uh, seeing Disney through the eyes of my kids, uh, seeing it through the eyes of my wife and mom with her young kids, you know, who was worried about being at the parks all day. Um, but it ended up creating some amazing memories. Like I got a lot of, like I'm just, I'm getting a little kind of emotional thinking about it right now. Um, but I got a lot of amazing pictures uh, of the kids having an amazing time making some cool memories, riding those attractions, some of them for the first time. You know, a couple of my kids getting to go on roller coasters for the first time and doing some things that, you know, honestly, I didn't think they would want to do. You know, they might have met the high requirements, but I was like, they don't want to do it. They don't want to go on test track and go 60 miles an hour around the curve. They don't want to go on a roller coaster that goes around in the dark um, to space music. You know, they won't want to go on a roller coaster that's shaped like a slinky dog, right? But no, they did. And we did a lot of stuff and we made some incredible memories. And that's what I'm here to tell you that you know, regardless if, if Disney is your destination or if there's another destination that you want to make, it's all about what you want to make it. It's all about your vision. It's all about your purpose. It's all about your reason for wanting to travel. You know, get out there, make some amazing memories and have an amazing time because those memories will be what carries you through difficult times be it a pandemic or, or otherwise. You know, we could make a list if you wanted to, but, uh, you know, that's not why we're here. So um, have fun, get out there, make some incredibly magical memories, and uh, I hope to see you all again very soon. Have a magical rest of your week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Travel Tips Tuesday. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you then.